Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, please, if you will, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And give me an amen once you are there. We'll be beginning in verse 18. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for the wonderful work that you have done in this church. This is your church, Lord. And we give you all the honor and the glory for it, Father. You are the one true living God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. You made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in it. You made us. Lord, this morning we want to learn of you. We thank you that you've given us your word. It is your word, Lord, by which we are made strong. It is through your word that we receive guidance for life. Your word, you say, that you want us to elevate it even above your name. And so this morning, Lord, give us understanding. We are your children. Give us hearts to receive. Pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as you know, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Corinth that he had planted about four years prior during his second missionary journey. The Corinthian church was a, a huge church that had huge problems. They had factions among themselves. They were very prideful. There was sexual immorality in the church. There were fights in a sense where they were trying to sue each other and take each other to court. They were rich in the spiritual gifts and even knowledge, but yet they didn't practice those spiritual gifts in order. They were all over the place. Their services were wacky. And so, the Apostle Paul is loving on the church he planted by writing these two letters, and he's trying to get them back into spiritual shape. Like the Corinthian church, all churches have problems. There is no perfect church. But it is the job of the ministers and the job of its people to make sure that we make the reforms that are needed according to God's word. It's God's word that churches need today. It's God's word that I need today and you need today. His word is everything. It's everything. By his word, he spoke the world into existence. Hebrews 1 tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Your life, And my life, to the extent that we study God's word and chew on it, meditate on it, 
To the extent that we do that is the extent our lives will be held together. The less word you get, the less stability you have. That's just the way it goes. He made it that way. He created us in such a way that if we're not seeking him with all of our heart, with all of our strength, or with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, we're going to be unstable. He left it that way so that we would seek him. And when we seek him, there's peace. There's joy. There's strength. There's comfort. And so Paul is writing to get them in spiritual shape. The first issue that he deals with is their spiritual pride and their factions. You see, Corinth was the, the, one of the hubs in the ancient world of knowledge and humanism and philosophies. And so humility wasn't uh, looked highly upon in Corinth. It was, who do you know? What do you know? What's your background? And they puffed each other up in that society. It was a very sinful society. It was all about status. And so as a church, God is warning them. They were actually, uh, they had preferences in preachers. You know, they were saying things like, I am of Paul, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Christ. They were basically, in their preferences of preachers, you know, puffing themselves up as if it made them spiritually great that they followed such and such a preacher. It's just spirit, it's spiritual competitiveness. It's nonsense. It's worldly. The Corinthians, no doubt, would say, I am of Plato. I am of Socrates. Who is your teacher? Who did you study under? And what school did you go to? And all of that. Nothing's changed, the world's that way, but not in God's church. And so he's dealing with this pride. He says to them in in, uh, the beginning of this chapter, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, right, God, Nick, that's fleshly, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and I am, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Just saying, it's ridiculous. You guys are trying to one-up each other? This way, it's so carnal, it's so worldly to envy each other, to, to fight each other uh, in, in these things. And, and so it's, a, it's important for us to understand this because pride is, is, is the sin in which all sins stem from. Pride is what casted Lucifer and a third of the angels out of heaven. And what it basically means is self-sufficiency. It means I don't need God telling me what to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. That's self-sufficiency. The world lives for themselves. I am of Plato. I am of Socrates. How much money do you have? What do you own? What's your pedigree? That's the world. In God's eyes, it's, it's just we're equal. We are to be humble. 
To be humble is to be God-dependent. To be humble is to be God-dependent. That means that we understand we cannot do life without God's instruction. We cannot do life without God's strength. We cannot be strong spiritually without seeking God. That's being dependent on God. That's being humble, right? I can't make it through life without going to church. I can't make it through life without fellowshipping with other believers. I can't make it through life without reading the Bible. I can't make it through life without praying. You see, a home is built by the Lord. We have to seek him. It's all about him. And so he's... Be, he's uh, belaboring this, this important lesson about pride and humility and not being like the world because every blessing that you and I will receive from the Lord will stem from humility. We want blessings. We want grace upon our life. Well, the Bible says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The devil's such a liar. He's such a deceiver. You can be your own God, like he told Eve. Yeah, take a bite. You'll know good and evil. You don't need God telling you what's good and what's bad. You're smart enough. And so we have churches in America filled with Christians who have have written their own uh, way of doing Christianity, aside from the Bible. They think they're the exception to the rule. Ah, I can do church at home. No, you can't. Not according to his word. He calls us to come together, Hebrews 10, especially as we see the day approaching. How can we hear the news of today and think, yeah, the the right thing for me to do is to stay home? No, God says, look at what's happening and that much more you need to come together to stir one another up in good works, love and good works. And then he goes on to speak about about the rewards that, or he says like, that him, like who is Paul, who is Apollos anyways? Basically tells them we're nobodies. I love that because they were, Uh, you know, exalting Paul, exalting Apollos. They're great teachers or whatever. And Paul's bringing them down to planet Earth. Like the only one to be glorified is God. We're not to make celebrity apostles or preachers. That's what the world does. Our Lord made himself of no reputation. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. So watch those preachers that are so loved by the world. Apollos and Paul, he said, we're nobody. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So he who planted and he who watered are nothing, it's he who gave the increase. That's, he's telling the Corinthian church, that's who you admire, that's who you lift up, God. We have done nothing here. Nothing. It's all God. I'm just like you, I'm watching and tripping out hard. How did he do this? He just does things. He's good. It's his grace. So he tells them that. And then he also says, you know, 
We're nothing, but we will be rewarded. Each worker will be rewarded according to his labor. I'm going to be rewarded. Paul says, Apollos is going to be awarded. And one day you're all going to be rewarded if you love God and you serve him. At the judgment seat of Christ, which he goes into and he talks about it. We're not going to be judged according to our sins because Jesus died on the cross. He bled out to take away our sins. We're not, it's not a, a sin. It's done. It is finished as he said on the cross. Thank glory be to God. He rose from the dead for our justification. We are clean. However, the bema seat of Christ is when we stand before the Lord and it's a reward ceremony type of deal and where he judges the quality of our service to him. Think about that for those who you got to get involved somehow, somewhere, get involved. Just imagine that, not having nothing to talk about. Whew. Next person, get into, you, you make it, but barely, go in. <laughs> and, you know, he says here that, uh, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If someone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. And so whatever, la- whatever survives his test, what were your motives when you did that charitable deed? What were your motives on that mission trip? What was your motive on how you served at the church? What were your motives when you, was it for my glory? Or was it for our own glory? I have to check my own heart every single day of my life. Because my heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And our flesh wants the applause. Our flesh wants the adulation. Our flesh is trying to kill us. But the Holy Spirit in us puts it in its place. But we got to watch out. It's very important. He's talking to a church that needs help. And if it's going to do good, then they are going to have to be God-sufficient and get their eyes off their little psychological need to be liked by everybody. I get it. I was in high school too. I was a part of the punk scene and I thought, I'm better because I'm not with the jocks. I'm not with the popular. You know, I'm just, still, even if the groups say they don't want to be liked, everybody wanted to be liked in high school. And some of us don't grow out of that. We become Christians and we, we start serving the Lord and it's like, oh, Look what I'm doing. No, we're not doing anything. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. His spirit that dwells in us yearns jealousy. That God only will get the glory. In heaven, it's like we're casting our crowns at his feet. To you be the glory. 
And then he asks the question in verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now the word temple here is not speaking of the temple of our bodies as it's referred to in, in scriptures, that our bodies are the temple of the Lord. We know that. Glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are his. That's not what it's referring to. He's speaking to the church and he's saying, don't you know, church, that you are the temple of God, that he dwells in you as a church. And he says, if anybody defiles the church, if you, you defile it by using Christianity to puff yourself up, to make yourself popular, to to make money or selfish ambition or whatever it may be. God's saying, be careful how you deal with his church, the temple. Be careful. That's why there's such warning against people that are divisive within the church, that try to creep in. The Lord says, you know, uh, mark them and avoid them. After the second admonition, have nothing to do with them. God wants his church to be holy and, and pure. I love what uh, the Lord told Peter in Matthew 16. I say to you, Peter, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Satan has been trying to destroy God's church all over the world. And you see how he's infiltrated so many Christian churches. It's terrible what you hear on some of the scandals that have happened in denominations, isn't it? What happened? When the top, when the leaders of the church stop adhering to the Bible, all kinds of weird stuff creeps in. The more Bible we, we push out, we preach and we teach without compromise, the healthier the church is. Now, notice, I didn't say the more fuller the church is, the more healthier it is. I said the, the more word of God that the church gets, the healthier it is. Let no one deceive you, or let no one deceive himself. Verse 18, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Uh, this is just a straight out like burn. Is there, if any of you seems to be wise in this age, he's telling the Corinthian church, if you think really you're, you're so smart, if you think you're wise in this age, it, it is better for you to become a fool that, that you might be wise. You see, throughout Scripture, it, we are exhorted. We are told, seek the wisdom of God. Seek his knowledge. Seek understanding like precious jewels, right? More than silver and gold. Seek the wisdom of God. We're told that. But see, biblical wisdom, wisdom from heaven, from the Lord, what it does is it does give us wisdom. But in that wisdom, we then see ourselves differently. We start, we become more humble, or we should become more humble, and realize that without his wisdom, we don't know anything. If it isn't for God's grace giving us some understanding in this world, some wisdom, we don't know anything. 
The world thinks they know it all. They have the answers. Problem number one, overpopulation. Let's solve it by killing people slowly. Let's speed it up. That's what they're saying. They're not even hiding it. In Proverbs, we're told, chapter 3, verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. He who thinks he's wise isn't really smart. I have learned. I have learned. Uh, I am in <laughs> I'm in so much need of wisdom. I remember, and, and usually it's an issue with, with new believers, new believers. It, it, it's hard for them to learn to put the pride aside. That's not saying that older believers who've walked with God for a long time are like free from pride issues. Okay? But again, the Bible says that for pastors, if one's to be ordained, if one's called by the Lord, they are not to be a novice. They're not to be new to the faith, lest they fall with the same temptation that Satan felt, which was pride. They have to be around and prove themselves and be humble. So anyhow, I remember on my trip to Israel in 2001, I think I was a Christian for like a year and four months. Just off the gang member scene, you know? So it was just getting used to church life. And from El Mani to Costa Mesa to LL Airlines, spit me out with Chuck and Kay Smith, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa in Israel on the smallest tour they ever went on because there was all kinds of missiles coming over the fence at that time there in Israel and everyone uh, backed out on the trip, or mostly everyone, I went. I think there was only like five buses where they're used to 15, 20 buses. So we had Chuck and Kay there all to ourselves. It was really wonderful. But anyways, I look back at some of those pictures and I think to myself, oh my gosh, Ryan. Oh, The expression on some of those pictures on my face was so gangster. <laughs> I mean... I was posing like hard, <laughs> you know, and it just because it was coming out. I'm learning how, oh, okay, so God had to break all that down over the years. You know, teach, I look at him, I go, well, you know, I'm a pastor. I have to, we have to be long. So I learned from them how they were patient with me to be patient as God rids the flesh and rids the pride from people. But I was so, like I talked about the gangster lean thing that, you know, I don't even want the appearance of evil and the whole, I don't want to, you know, have the gangster lean anymore. But it's, I'm not necessarily talking about the clothing. I'm talking about the expression and the attitude on my face. I had a hard look on my face. I had, you know, an attitude that I don't care about people and I don't care if people care about me. Kind of just, that's what I mean about the gangster lean. I still like wearing baggy clothes sometimes. It's, they're so comfortable. <laughs> Especially with all the skinny jeans. Are you kidding me? I'm six foot three. <sighs> you know what I mean? Those baggy pants and the white tennies and the loose t-shirts. Uh, gross, but I got the girl, didn't I? 
<laughs> there aren't no sca scoundrels in your life. So that's what I mean, the expression. But I had to learn about this pride, you know, and I, I'm fighting it because I've learned over the years that we can get nowhere being self-sufficient. We must depend on God. He sees you and I when we're alone in private, whether we depend on him. He sees, he knows our heart and what we think about church and what we think about doing what he says. And, and it is a battle because the flesh doesn't want to do it. It's a battle for all of us to get out of bed. It's a battle for all of us to come to church and engage. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweetheels.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.